Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Government advice steps up. Now is the time for everyone to stop non-essential contact with others. A plea from the World Health Organization. We have a simple message for all countries. Test, test, test. And we ask why the UK isn't shutting schools when other countries are. This is coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Increase social distancing, stop unnecessary travel and avoid non-essential social contact. That's the new advice to Britons from Prime Minister Boris Johnson. He's urging the country to avoid pubs, clubs and theatres and to stop all non-essential travel in a bid to reduce the impact of the coronavirus. And as we take these steps, we should be focusing on the most vulnerable. In a few days' time, by this coming weekend, it will be necessary to go further and to ensure that those with the most serious health conditions are largely shielded from contact, from social contact, for around 12 weeks. As part of the measures, anyone living in a household with somebody who has either a persistent cough or fever must now also isolate themselves for 14 days. Meanwhile, the World Health Organization's Director General called COVID-19 the defining global health crisis of our time and said testing was essential. The most effective way to prevent infections and save lives is breaking the chains of transmission. And to do that, you must test and isolate. You cannot fight a fire blindfolded. And we cannot stop this pandemic if we don't know who is infected. It comes after it emerged undetected cases of COVID-19 were largely responsible for the rapid spread of the coronavirus outbreak in China. According to research by scientists at Columbia University, over 85% of all infections were undocumented before the Wuhan shutdown in late January. It's likely these cases only showed mild symptoms. There are now more cases being reported across Europe than there are inside China, where the virus first originated. UK cases of the coronavirus have risen to over 1,500 in the past 24 hours, with the death toll standing at 53 at the time of recording. But if the UK isn't testing everyone with symptoms, isn't the number of confirmed cases largely irrelevant? 
I put that question to The Telegraph's global health security editor, Paul Nuki. Well, they're not irrelevant. The confirmed cases, though, will just represent the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, in terms of the total number of cases in the country, because there's a limit to the number of tests they can do. There's some criticism that the government isn't continuing with testing as aggressively as other countries. The WHO, for example, believes that testing should be done at maximum possible capacity in order that you know exactly where the disease is and can contain it or delay it when you know that. If the WHO is recommending that, why does the British government say it's not doing it? It's not entirely clear. My guess is it's more a capacity issue than anything else, rather than a strategic choice. We have a finite capacity in terms of not the tests themselves, but the personnel to conduct them, the labs to analyse the results. So I suspect it's more a capacity issue than anything else. If you live in the UK and want to find out how many confirmed cases of the virus there are in your area, you can enter your postcode into the Telegraph's live tracker. I'll put the link to that in the show notes to this episode. The EU could shut its borders to non-essential travellers for 30 days, but British citizens wouldn't be affected. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen put forward a proposal for an initial ban, which would have to be approved by the EU27. Meanwhile, flight schedules have been slashed by the UK's busiest airlines. EasyJet, Ryanair and British Airways have all reduced flights amid travel restrictions and a huge drop in demand. If your flight is cancelled or the government's advising against travelling to your destination, you can likely get your money back. If it isn't, it might seem like a good time to take out travel insurance if you haven't already. But is it too late? Malcolm Tarling is from the Association of British Insurers. Insurers are keeping the situation constantly under review. Several insurers have decided to suspend writing new travel insurance policies and some may have added uh, various exclusions onto existing policies because insurance is all about covering you against the unforeseen, the unexpected, not something that is known to you, such as this uh, obviously very worrying uh, virus. We've all heard people say it. It's just the flu. But there are several key differences between COVID-19 and influenza, the death rate likely being higher, the level of contagion and, crucially, the lack of vaccine. The first human trials to find a vaccine started today in Seattle. Scientists at Imperial College London are also carrying out tests on mice. So, some positive movements. But despite this, experts say we won't see a vaccine in common use for at least a year – But with so many resources being ploughed into the search, why will it take so long? His is a voice you're going to want to get used to on this podcast. I put that question to The Telegraph's global health security editor, Paul Nuki. You'll see a lot of news stories about rapid breakthroughs with a vaccine. And that's also true. Labs have been very quick to produce test vaccines. But I think it's very important to understand there are things that can hold a vaccine back. The first of which is these human tests need to run for quite a length of time until there's real certainty, not only that it works, but that it's safe. And then the second huge problem with vaccines is that they have then got to be manufactured at scale. And that is not a simple process. That process in itself can take a very long time. So when we do see a vaccine 
come on stream probably in a year to 18 months time even then it'll go to frontline health workers first one imagines and other priority groups it's not it's not something that's going to be available to everyone immediately even once it becomes online New York is the latest U.S. state to shut its schools in an attempt to stop the spread of the virus. There are now over 32 million children at home across 33 U.S. states. Closer to home, Ireland has closed schools and colleges for a fortnight, but in the U.K. they remain firmly open. Boris Johnson has said that closures now could do more harm than good. But that decision seems to be worrying our listeners. When I asked you for questions at the end of Friday's podcast, many of you got in touch to ask about the government's official line on schools. So I've asked our education editor, Camilla Turner, to join me on today's show. Camilla, there are lots of concerned parents out there. Our first question, though we got many more like this, is from Angela, who says, Why aren't schools shutting? Above anything, aren't the children putting teachers and parents at risk if they spread the virus? Well, there are a number of reasons why the government has taken the stance it has in relation to schools. They say, first of all, the best possible place for children is to be at school. This means their parents can go to work, crucially parents who might be workers in the NHS or other key workers, cleaners, people who our country and the economy very vitally need at the moment are free to go to work and schools are effectively providing childcare Monday to Friday for their children. Another reason given is that if schools were to shut and children needed looking after, they may well be given to their grandparents to look after because their parents still need to go to work. Now this poses a problem because obviously grandparents, um, those over 70, are in the most at-risk group in the country. So this could be risky in terms of the children affecting the grandparents and passing on anything they might have picked up to them. The government's response has very much been to concentrate on protecting the most vulnerable people in society, so those over 70 and those with underlying medical conditions. So far, they're saying school should stay open um, because that is the best thing to do to protect people who are most at risk particularly when children are much lower risk than perhaps their grandparents. Exactly. So children are not in one of these at-risk categories at the moment and also teachers, if they don't have underlying health conditions and they're not over 70, they're also not in one of the at-risk groups. So the best thing the government thinks is for children to keep going to school and for the other more vulnerable groups to be taking measures to protect themselves. And we've got one here from a parent called Edward. It won't affect everyone, but it is a consideration for many parents nonetheless. He says, can parents of children at private schools expect to get some money back? Obviously, private school education can be very expensive. I'd imagine that every week counts when you're paying those fees. Yes, this is something that's a a concern among parents. And um, the answer coming from private schools at the moment is that they're trying their very best to put as many resources online as possible. So this means that in the event of a possible school closure children could continue their education with online resources this could be sort of webinars this could be facetime this could be lots of exercises and sort of classroom activities all doing online from that from their homes if they have to this is very much the stance universities are taking obviously private schools are in a slightly different situation to state schools and that parents are paying for the service so parents who 
still aren't happy with um, this idea of having online resources could always check their contract that they've made with that private school, which will be different from school to school, and see if there's anything in there that might give them a sort of recourse to, to getting some money back if the school is closed. But that will very much depend on every school's contract with parents at that school. Camilla Turner, The Telegraph's education editor, thank you. If you'd like us to answer any questions, maybe you want to know the best practice for keeping your house safe and clean, or perhaps you'd like our TV critics to recommend some box sets for the months ahead, record a voice note on your phone and send it to me. The email address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk, or just type it in an email. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'll be back tomorrow afternoon with another update. In the meantime, head to telegraph.co.uk slash audio where you can get a free 30-day subscription to The Telegraph online. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.